Welcome back to another episode of Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about very spooky movies. And this movie is kind of spooky, but not because it's a horror movie. Today we're talking about the movie The Creator by uh, Gareth Edwards, I believe is his name. Uh, this is the... I think this is only his fourth movie. He made a movie called Monsters, then he made Star Wars and God, or Rogue One, specifically, and the Godzilla reboot. So he's had a uh, pretty meteoric rise, at least in terms of franchises he's been given the reins to. But the creator is Gareth Edwards' first um, original sci-fi movie since Monsters. And it's, uh, it's really something. It's got a lot going on, and I think we had a lot to say about this one. This is mostly spoiler-free until we get to an actual spoiler warning. We have one of those this time. And stars John David Washington. Uh, it's got music by Hans Zimmer. Uh, Gemma Chan is in this, so get ready to hear a lot about our respective thoughts about all of those people, except Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer, we don't talk too much about him, but you're going to hear some of him. Uh, this is A Place in the Sky by Hans Zimmer. movies live the pre-recorded show where we talk about uh original sci-fi movies we talked about a bunch of those and all of them became franchises and my question for you pierre is do you think the creator will become a franchise mm, no <laughs> yeah i don't see how it could but it's you know people i think there was potential life finds a way yeah well i mean i think if they ended it differently then there was a chance. True. Yeah. But um, I don't know. If, I think Gareth Edwards has had enough maybe franchise experience. I think I think he should just do his own thing for for now and not make another franchise. Or <laughs> I don't want to say ruin another franchise. but Well, he, I mean, you say he has franchise experience and you're not wrong, but it also definitely feels like he does just kind of do his own thing. Because he got a Godzilla movie. And then he moved on to something else. And someone else mm. took over that franchise. He got a Star Wars movie. And then he did something else. Like, he's only done one Star Wars movie. Even if there was to be a creator too, I kind of don't see him doing it. I don't think there is really a real potential for the, for the creator too, anyway. But, like, I don't think he'd be the director if there was. Mm, yeah i don't know I, ju I just don't know where you take the story the way he ended it it's like he was like i'm gonna make sure they don't franchise i don't want to be george lucas and then he like he like stopped the franchise there essentially i think that's how i would say it but yeah. um yeah i don't know he's he's had a crazy he's definitely been a director that i've been interested in because i mean <clears throat> i remember being very excited for both godzilla and rogue one and those are his second and third movies like ever made, like feature films ever, mm -hmm. which is just like so crazy to me. Um, I don't, I haven't seen his 2010 movie Monsters, but I would like to because that might explain how he got so much uh, attention so quickly. But even though I'm looking at the reviews now and it didn't seem like it was like amazing, you know, it just seemed like a solid movie. I mean, he did an awful lot on it, so maybe, like, maybe, you know, uh, whoever was in charge of the Godzilla movie 
maybe someone from Legendary Pictures was watching Monsters and was like, that guy works really, really hard. Yeah, I could see that. Well, I, th- I do think he's a hard worker. I'm looking at... Yeah. Um, I think what his biggest strength is seems to be his attention for visuals true, and being able to do them cheaply, which mm-hmm. I think is kind of a rare skill <laughs> at this point. It feels like all these blockbusters have insanely bloated budgets and they look like, you know, like crap, um, mm-hmm. especially what, from what we've seen this year, <laughs> Ant-Man. Uh, but, you know, like, like I, I remember like Rogue One and Godzilla I mean, just looking at the trailers, they're both insanely beautiful, like visually beautiful movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have some great shots. And there's never a, a moment in them when I'm like, this feels like a movie set, you know? Yeah. Which is, you know, good. And it looks like with Monsters, he he was, uh, he did like a very, um, I want to say visual movie. Like he he, he got a lot out of the, his $500,000 budget. Mm-hmm. And it made a lot of it made a decent amount of money off that, which, from what I can tell, is a, a green light for a blockbuster director. <laughs> That's a very good, very good sign. Yeah, yeah, and like the creator that we're about to talk about is made for eighty million dollars. You can make two, you can make two and a half of these movies for the, what it costs to make Secret Invasion. Oh God, dude, don't even. <laughs> yeah, it's uh like I, I think it's cool that he's and it's been seven years since rogue one and he's you know i i've been interested in his next move since then because it's yeah he had a big a very meteoric high and it sounds like rogue one maybe burnt him out because there was just a lot of trouble behind the scenes with rogue one um and uh i feel like maybe that kind of turned him off of hollywood for a bit and making movies but it's it's good to see him back in business. Like, what what did you think of his of his direction so far, though? Like Godzilla, Rogue One. I fell asleep during Godzilla, and I didn't like Rogue One, <laughs> so I'm not a huge fan. But like, I know his name, and so you know, when a movie comes out with a person who's direct with a director whose name I know, I'm my my ears perk up. But then the trailer started with from the director of Rogue One, and I'm like, ooh, not a strong start. But I realized that he doesn't have a lot to go off of. Yeah. And Rogue One is widely considered to be a very good Star Wars movie. I disagree, but it is widely considered to be good. Well, I'd say it sounds like the parts he was in charge of were not the good parts <laughs> because <laughs> they had to reshoot. And like honestly, looking back, it makes so much sense that they had to redo Rogue One because it, apparently they said the third act in Rogue One was completely redone, like a few months before it came out by, um, I can't Tony Gilroy who uh, who's doing and the Andor TV show right now, which is huh. an amazing TV show, and it explains why the third act in Rogue One is so much better than the first two acts because I agree the first two acts are kind of a boring trudge to get through. I don't know, I just think it's interesting that all right, it was interesting seeing the parallels with the creator because the creator is a very you can you can tell he is very very heavily inspired by Star Wars in that movie. The creator definitely feels like I don't want to say the movie he's been wanting to make for his whole life because I don't think it feels like that, but it feels definitely like a passion project. Like these are some things that I really like and I want to put them together into a movie and I'm really excited to see this happen. Yeah. Or maybe it was, he, he felt bad about messing Rogue One up and he's like, no guys, I can do it again. And then he tried to do it again. Um, actually, well, yeah, now I think there are a lot of parallels. I'm not going to lie. Like mm-hmm. specifically with Rogue One, I would say, but do you, do you want to, do you want to get into, can you explain what the creator is about, Jeff? I'll, I'll talk about briefly what the creator is about. So the creator is about AI. Uh, I think it takes place in 20... I want to say part of it takes place in 2065, but I can't remember if that's the opening or, like, the main part. So it takes place in the 2060s, anyway, late 2060s. And uh, it's about a war between humans and AI, specifically between America and East Asian AI, after AI... Uh, is blamed for blowing up Los Angeles. 
the main characters are uh, American, like special ops, who discover that um, they discover the location of the I think it's called the Nir- Nirmada, which is the AI's god. That Nirmada means creator. So they think you know if we take out the head, then everything else will crumble, and then we mm. win this war. So basically, that's the idea. And uh, John David Washington is the guy who has been to the main AI base. So they bring him in. Uh, they bring him in for one last job. He ends up with a small child AI that he bonds with over the course of the movie, who may yeah. or may not be the creator. Probably not, but. Uh, if any, at the very least, the child knows who the creator is, so they have to sort of like, uh, they have to travel together, and he has to learn from this child while this child learns from him, and it's almost like a father father daughter bonding experience in ways. Mm-hmm. Yes, very. We've never seen this concept before in any. And like, <laughs> I mean, you say that like a joke, and you're not entirely wrong uh, because we definitely have. Like, we definitely have seen stuff that... This movie is, I guess, derivative of a lot of other things, but it is, like, refreshingly original in a lot of ways. It is, uh, you know, we've we've seen this story before, but not really like this. Like, it's not, mm. it's not piggybacking off an existing property. It's not Star Wars, but with a different skin or anything like that. It is actually... It has a lot going for it. Yeah, so I don't, I don't want to be... I don't want to be mean to to a, an original property. Oh, you're it's welcome true, to like, be mean. <clears throat> no, no, like, I don't want to blame it for, you know, obviously when you make something, anything, it's going to be influenced by other stuff. Um, I'd say the influences were pretty heavy in this, but I wouldn't necessarily say that's always a bad thing. You know, mm-hmm. I think this is, you know, being Gareth Edwards' first big original movie, I think it's natural that he'd, he'd go to like a lot of, places that he's comfortable with if that makes sense yeah and in the future if if he keeps making big movies where we'll probably see him slowly forge his own path if that makes sense um <clears throat> but yeah like looking at the influences like very i mean it just there's so many there's so many movies i can think of that it draws from like i mean ai versus humans that's terminator-esque the whole the whole war thing is extremely Star Wars-esque with the super weapon in the sky that they have to destroy. I'd say there's like a lot of Neil Blomkamp influence too, just in like the general vibe and like the... Kind of the way the cinematography looks. Like not a hundred percent, but it looks like, it looks very raw in yeah. a lot of places. Like it reminded me a lot of movies like uh well not not the first i mean district he did district nine right yeah he did um i mean there was yeah district nine stuff there and then there was also elysium i think he did right yes yeah yeah there was vibes of that and just like the way it felt um but overall like i i think there was a lot going for this movie you know like especially at least okay in the first two-thirds of the movie i actually really liked it for the most part Mm. you know it it did have a it had it 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 was beautiful to look at. It had compelling themes. It it, it it's it was retreading ground that we we done before, but doing it in kind of its own unique way. Like yeah. I I remember with the later Neil Blomkamp movies, like they just felt very like over. I don't want to say it's just like the metaphor was too obvious, you know. I think like in Elysium, there's my favorite line in Elysium is like. I'm not going to sum up all of Elysium, but basically in Elysium, there's this giant like space colony where all the rich people live and the, some poor people want to like launch themselves in, in rockets to get up to the rich people colony. And there's a line where the leader of the rich people colony says, we have to stop the illegals. And I was like, damn, you could not make the metaphor any more explicit. It's not even a metaphor at that point. Yeah, I, uh, this movie didn't feel off-putting for the most part. It felt very, there was like a, there was, there was a tinge of humanity to it. 
mm-hmm. that you could feel throughout. And I, I think that's something that was missing from the Neil Blomkamp stuff. I don't know. What, what do you think? At least um, for the mo- your general thoughts. Actually, like the movie this reminded me the most of throughout a lot of the movie was uh, probably Apocalypse Now. Like it's not that close, but a lot of the, um, I think they filmed this in Thailand and I can't remember exactly where Apocalypse Now filmed. I think it was the Philippines, but the way that they're, for a lot of this movie, they're like going up a river and like trying to uh, get to some, I don't know, prophesied place at the mouth of the river or something. And like, that felt very apocalypse now to me. And also the way that it ended up with that it was like shot and the visuals of it of it during those scenes especially felt very apocalypse now to me. A lot more surface level than thematic uh connections, but still like that's the first thing I thought of when I, you know, started making connections in this movie to other movies. Other than that, like I think this movie was really, really beautiful uh to look at i think uh I, greg frazier does the filmography or not filmography cinematography and i can't remember everything else he did he did the batman uh and he did dune okay so that makes sense yeah he's uh obviously an amazing cinematographer and like did an amazing job here and i think that's most of what i liked about the movie is the way that it looked like the way that it looked and a lot of the ways it was presented this movie starts with like a small it starts with a very old timey newsreel and it has like uh it has like uh title cards between chapters uh and like it's all presented in a way that i can see what gareth edwards wanted to do with this movie and i think that in terms of presentation he really nailed it I think the story is like fine. It's okay. It's um, it's nothing super special, but it is something fairly original, which is nice. It was very weird that most of this movie takes place in a place called New Asia, and there is no distinction between the Asian languages they use. Uh, <laughs> like one person who's an AI is always speaking in Japanese almost always speaking in Japanese. Occasionally he switches to English because it's Ken Watanabe. Uh, and anytime he's speaking, he's speaking in Japanese, it's subtitled. But he'll just like go up to someone who is clearly not speaking Japanese. I think he's, I think that like some of the other AIs around him are speaking like Nepalese. And he'll talk to them in Japanese. They'll respond in Nepalese. And like, they're clearly not the same language but they're subtitled as if they were, and it's fine. Like, they all speak Asian, it's whatever. And so it's like, I don't, I don't know how to feel about that. I am, like, a white guy criticizing that, but, like, it felt weird. It felt really weird. There's also, I think there's an Indian guy who, doesn't, who does not speak Japanese. Japanese is the only thing that I 100% recognized, so I don't know what language the Indian guy is speaking, but he also just speaks in his in his language to other people who are not speaking his language, and it's fine because it's all Asian. Were they Sims? I, if like, they were I Sims. To, yes. Yeah. So I had to. If I'm gonna guess, maybe they have like a translator unit that. And the thing is, like, to say in the movie. Yeah, and the thing is, like, there are ways to explain that. That doesn't have to be an anything awful, but like not giving any reason for these people who are depicted who are like depicted as very as being from very different cultures not giving any reason why they can just like interact as if they are all from the same as if they are all from the same culture and not putting like any reason into i don't know just not making that consistent or like giving any kind of explanation for it rubs me the wrong way because to me it just sort of makes it look like uh you know all of these people are are asian therefore they all uh they all understand each, each other because asians obviously which is just such a it it rubs me it rubs me the wrong way i don't know like i don't know how else to say it it didn't fully ruin the movie for me uh, but if it ruined the movie for anyone, I get it. And also, like, it was just a weird thing that I couldn't get away from. 
are there possible explanations for it? Yeah. But I kind of need, like, even just a throwaway explanation in the movie. Like, if they all understand different language, if they all understand any language because they're Sims and they can just translate between them, how come the main girl had to, like, learn language like an extremely intelligent baby? Yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's offensive. It's just weird. Like, yeah. Like, it's just like, I'd almost be like more comfortable knowing he was just racist. <laughs> like, being like, why would you just assume that these languages? But I, yeah, I, I'm just going to, my assumption, because I'd have to imagine if these guys were talking to each other on set and they were in completely different languages, you'd think Ken Watanabe would be like, this guy's, this guy's Indian. Like, he's probably yeah. not going to, and he's not speaking to me in Japanese. So, like, why would he understand me? Um, so I'm sure that was there, but this movie was already so bloated that I could totally see why they wanted to cut that out. It didn't bother me personally because I don't, um, I don't, I'm not familiar enough with any like Asian languages. So did you, uh, like I, I'm, um, I'm not super familiar, but I'm familiar enough with Japanese and Ken Watanabe to recognize Japanese and I'm familiar enough with Japanese to recognize when something is definitely not Japanese. Well, that's fair. <laughs> um, but it reminds yeah. me, did you ever see the Ghost in the Shell remake with uh, Scarlett Johansson? Uh, no. So uh, a very famous Japanese actor and comedian is in that named Beat Takeshi. And he mm. plays the, I think it might be his first Hollywood film role. He plays the police commissioner, and it's so funny because every time he 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 does not speak a word of English in that movie, a movie that is entirely in English. He yeah. only speaks in Japanese, and when he does, it's like they'll it's like he's in front of a lot of times it'll be like he's in front of a green screen, and they'll shoot him at a Dutch angle, and behind him will be like Japanese words while subtitle like what he's saying while subtitles come out, and it's like. What is the purpose of this? This is like <laughs> such a weird, such a, such a tonally weird decision that doesn't mesh with anything else in the movie. It's very funny, but it has nothing to do with anything else that I'm seeing. So like, why are they making, why is this one guy speaking in Japanese and uh, in subtitled Japanese, no one mentions it and he's got his own little cinema set up for it. Like what's yeah. going on here? I I don't know. There's there's I think there's a lot of like just weird stuff in the movie in general that I'm not gonna like delve into too much. Um, well, I I don't know. I think because I read that the initial cut for this movie is like five hours. That's too which long. Is insane for me, and it but it just explains so much because. But like, like I think I think the first two acts are paced pretty well. Um, there are some weird segues. Like now, looking back at it, like it's it's just weird to me. Like, <laughs> there's a scene with like the robot watching porn, and and then okay, okay, now I'm like getting like like the robot had curves, you know, like it's like a female robot had like they they gave it like an ass, you know, and it's like why did do robots are robots attracted to humans in that sense? Like, do, are they attracted to human characteristics? Um, this is little things like that. Like, I don't know why they would add that stuff like that and then cut, you know, things that could be pretty important. Like, oh, all the Sims have a translator that makes them understand each other. You know, so maybe there were places they could cut, but it feels like Gareth Edwards. I think this was direct. This was written by Gareth Edwards. Yeah, Gareth Edwards <laughs> had like he clearly knows this world very well because like details, like the robots care about curves on other robots in porn and the, and like robot translators, those aren't fully insignificant details. Like yeah. you don't make that decision just arbitrarily. You probably think about something like that. So like clearly Gareth Edwards has a lot of world building done for this movie that just apparently didn't make the cut, I guess, or maybe wasn't important. It's hard to know without actually seeing the five hour cut of this movie. Well, I, I wouldn't say these were problems that would like really bother me if the movie overall was better. 
You know, it's like yeah. one of those things where if the movie was better, it's a, like the little nitpicks wouldn't bother you. Like, I'm sure in Star Wars, there were so many things that don't make any sense either that were probably expanded on in like random books in hindsight <laughs> that George Lucas was just like, I don't really care. Like, he wasn't thinking when he made that movie about like, you know, why does, oh, I'm trying to think of something stupid in Star Wars, um, but it doesn't matter. The point is, is that like, the creator could have avoided us talking about like these really not important things if the movie itself was good, you know? Yeah. The, I think the biggest issue is just that third act and looking back on um, why, like all the behind the scenes stuff with Rogue One, it just makes so much more sense now that like the third act had to be redone because the third act in this was atrocious. I thought I, I was thinking this was like a seven out of 10 Oh, this is gonna be a spoiler from my <laughs> from my number review. But I was I was up until the third act, it's the point where he gets like it's like um he get he gets kidnapped by the government essentially. Yeah. I say it was like a seven out of ten. You know, like there were weak spots in the script, but it was it was visually interesting and fun to watch. Um after that, it's like it felt like that feeling where you're writing an essay. And you have two hours, you have like 30 minutes left. And then you're like, oh shit, I got to tie this whole thing together and like make it make sense. And then mm -hmm. he just like, it's like, it's like in the script, it's like he, he reserved what each page was like something big has to happen. And just so many things happen and they're not connected in any way. And it's just like, and it just completely lost me. So like, I don't <clears throat> think that like changing nothing about this film. I don't think you could just cut it off a half an hour early necessarily, but like this movie feels like about an hour and a half, 45 minutes in it has an ending. And then after that, it's like, Oh shit, but no one won yet. So we have to like, mm. we have to figure out how that happens real quick. Yeah. Like I, th I think if they want to leave it open to a sequel, they could have cut it off at like, you know, a final fight in uh, what was it called? Like heaven. It was like it was called Heaven in the movie. Yeah, but it had like a an Asian name that I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> and uh, like I think the final, I thought that was where the third act was happening. It felt like a natural mm -hmm. point because I I even think they have a third act. Like I would say when they find it's like when you're writing a script. From what I know, when you find it's like the characters want something until the second until two thirds of the way the end of the second act, and then they realize the thing that they wanted is not what they wanted you know, or something like that. And that makes sense because this is kind of a spoiler. This is a spoiler, but they're looking for the creator and it turns out the creator is dead essentially. Yeah. Um, and that, that's like the whole movie's leading to that point. And that seems like a natural second and second act ending. Mm -hmm. And then they kind of have like a third act fight, but then that turns out to just be the end of the second act as well. And that was a pretty good fight scene. I thought it was like, well done. And if they just expanded that, they could have had more of a conclusion, you know? Yeah, and um, I think that, like, right after the end of the second act, they all go back to L.A., and so the whole movie sort of, like, stops in its tracks and then has to get going again for the ending. Yeah. And, like, I don't know, I, just a suggestion. It kind of looked like <laughs> around, where, around where Heaven was, it kind of looked like they already were, like, experimenting with ways to, like, shoot robots into space they mm. probably just shouldn't have gone back to la like they yeah. probably just should have started from there and done their final act from there yeah they could have easily finished it there and it would have been a much better movie but like you said the momentum is completely lost mm -hmm. once they go back to la and at that point i feel like you need like an hour like it would have had to i think they could have done this in three hours potentially but the problem is, too, is that once they go back to L.A., the entire supporting cast, there always isn't much of a supporting cast, but, like, Ken Watanabe, who's, like, the only other character we care about in the movie, yeah, is, like, he's, he's irrelevant now because he's back in New Asia and he can't have any effect on the third act anymore. And then I think, it's, like... I think we briefly see him looking over a hill and going, like, yeah, at the end <laughs> or something. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's just like, why would you spend the entire movie getting him to a point where he's surrounded by people that are on his side and then just completely take all of that away from him immediately? It, it, it didn't really make much sense to me. So, And then that's why I like the third act. It's like, 
it feels like a fever dream where it's just like, okay, this happens and then this happens and then this happens and then this happens and then the movie's over instead of like, okay, we built up to, we built up this entire movie and then naturally the third act's going to happen as a result. So, uh, yeah, like you would, I, if this is how Rogue One ended, I can totally see why they had to scrap the whole thing because it ruins, it ruins the movie. Like pretty, it, it was pretty bad. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. But like the world building though, I think world building, he does a pretty good job. And like, it bought into yeah, the world. It's, it's a very interesting world. Mm. And like, I don't know. I stand by that a lot of the visual way that a lot of the way this movie is presented is really good. It's just that the story is like not that great. And yeah, it, it falls off real hard in the third act. Yeah. Like you don't really fall in love with the characters too much. Um, which is unfortunate. I always find it weird how like we've seen so many movies of these like, you know, like parent and like or like not supposed to be a parent and then like but ends up with a kid dynamics like in the mm-hmm. past. Like and these are like these are famous, like I mean we just talked about one like two weeks, like Jurassic Park's great at that. Terminator's yeah. great at that. That's literally another sci-fi property. Yeah, Red um, Rocket's great at that. Yeah, there's like so many examples. But then like recently I feel like, you know, I think a big example for me was Doctor Strange 2 like had a terrible like there was no dynamic at all between him and like the supposed daughter figure, right? They kind of I didn't dislike America Chavez in that, but like they felt like they were doing completely separate arcs. Like yeah. they didn't even like do any they didn't do much together. They went through yeah. the multiverse, I guess, but then like Doctor Strange did his own thing in the multiverse. Yeah, it's like they were together the whole movie, but they never bonded for some reason. Like, yeah. I don't understand how they could be together that whole time and never, like, have that moment where it clicks. And it's kind of the yeah. same here. Um, I actually thought the child actor in this was very, she was very good. She was very yes. great. Um, and she, she, uh, she gave a lot for John David Washington to work with. <laughs> mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I think Gemma Chan and John David Washington are not good actors, in my opinion. And it blows my mind that, they have both been leads of insanely big blockbusters by insanely big brands. And they both kind of thrown it out yet. They still keep getting hired for stuff, which is impressive. Actually, they have, they have good agents. I'll give them that. I mean, the more I think about it, the more I think that in, in, in their biggest roles for both of them, like I think they're kind of perfect for those roles, just that their roles in those movies are not the good ones. Like, yeah. John David Washington is fantastic for the role of the protagonist in Tenet because that role is supposed to be a fully blank slate that no one cares about, in my <laughs> opinion. Uh, and Gemma Chan, like, similarly in The Eternals, she's not the most interesting of The Eternals by a long shot, but mm. she's, like, the audience... She's the audience insert character. Like, it's fine for her to be the not interesting one of the Eternals. And she's got, like, some stuff going on, but Angelina Jolie is much better in that movie than Gemma Chan is, but she's also Angelina Jolie. It's not her. The, wait, oh, wait, I'm trying to remember. The, yeah, I think in Eternals, like, I could see Gemma Chan, like, she's the straight person, so I can understand why it it might work a little better um, the same thing with Tenet. I think there there are reasons. Like also Nolan, Nolan isn't a great like actor's director either. So I could I could see why it wasn't the most interesting performance. I just I I think that their their relevance in Hollywood is surprising because I I think like you can be a straight a straight man and still be charismatic. You know, I think Christian Bale mm-hmm. did that very well in the Batman movies, whereas. You know, I don't know. There's just something about John David Washington where it feels like there's, like, I think he can act. I think he's good at acting. Like, there's potential there. But it's just, yeah. just something, it's like he can't tap, there's, there's just something missing. He's, mm-hmm. he's missing that extra, like, there's like a glass, something separating him from being a, a good actor. Hear me out here. As I, I just watched a video uh, a few days ago um, by Patrick Willems on YouTube, and he was talking about like changes in uh, ch- changes in cinema over the last like 
30 years or so. And one thing that a lot of like the last movie stars, the big, big, big names in Hollywood, the Tom Hanks, the Leonardo DiCaprio's, the Tom Cruises of the world. One mm-hmm. thing they all have in common is that they like did star in a lot of like smaller movies where they had to just like fully rely on the actors. And specifically what I'm getting at is they start in a lot of rom-coms as like the main person in the rom-com. Like the only reason that people, well, this, this is not super fair to say, but a big reason that Meg Ryan is someone that like people still know the name of is that in the nineties, there were so many Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks, uh, rom-coms that they were their own genre briefly and like what i'm trying to get at is we need john david washington to be in a rom-com as the main guy so that we can see what he can actually do because the main guy in a rom-com cannot be bland i mean they can there are bad rom-coms but like if you have a bland a bland protagonist as you're in in a rom-com then it's not a rom-com that people are gonna like think about so, so you're saying you have to give him no excuse for giving <laughs> performance. Exactly. And then we'll truly see what he's made of. Exactly. That's a yeah. much better way of putting it. I just don't know if I would want to suffer through <laughs> rom-com with John David Washington, if I'm going to be honest. Maybe not. But like, if it's good enough, then you won't mind suffering through the next thing that he's in. Yeah. Potentially. That's fair. Well, we'll see. You never know. There were there was also just some really baffling choices with like the characters. Like I, I thought it was really okay, can we just do spoilers quickly? Yeah, if if you're still here and you don't think anything <clears throat> has been spoilers yet, this is this is full spoilers. We're not gonna we're not gonna we're not gonna be careful anymore. Okay. Wow, look at this. I, I just like the whole he like I just didn't like how they both died and the kid is just alone again. I just thought that was so stupid. Like and the reasons they died that were so weird. Like, like I I love how they revived Gemma Chan's character. Um, kind of she revived off screen, and then John David Washington for some reason is just running in that field randomly, and then he bumps into her, and then. Like, don't you think it's in a more depressing that they revived her in a simulator and then she immediately died again, like with like the world collapsing around her. And and then the only thing they do is like they just make out until they die. It's a it's metaphor, like, dude. He went to heaven. No, like, I guess maybe it, it, was just, it was just so stupid. Like, what was the point of revive? Like, at least revive her and give her a chance to maybe raise the daughter. You know, I thought that would have been touching. Or, like, he gets to say some last words to her and then he gets to raise their daughter. But, like, the ending is just, like, you have... Now Now the daughter is very alone, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Gemma Chan was revived just to die again, like, right after. <laughs> like, And then, like, she doesn't even get the chance to talk. Like, wouldn't she have questions? Like, why am I on this ship? What's happening? You know, but instead she's just like, oh, I'm going to make out with John David Washington until I die. And it's just like, you're not even going to ask about your daughter? Or like, he's she, not going to tell you, you're like, like, we, like, we did it. Like, I, I found your, our daughter and we took down the space station like you dreamed of. It's like, she didn't even think about that. Like, what? It just, it was so weird to me. I don't know. She was revived so that she could make out with Jan, John David Washington. Like, that's what Would, it came you down do to. that? <laughs> no, I don't. It just it it was just so like mind numbingly weird to me that that was something they did. Also, I mean, you know what? Never. I'm not even gonna get the whole third act made no sense. Like it's like I get it at a symbolism level at the very end because like there's this whole running theme. Um, well, it's not quite explicit enough. Well, not explicit. It's not quite like meaty enough to really be a theme the way I would think of them. But like, uh. Early on, he says to his daughter, basically, he's like, only good people go to heaven. And she says, so you can't go to heaven because you're not good. And I can't go to heaven because I'm not a person. And then at the very end, he like has his redemption arc. And so he gets to go to heaven. And like, I get the metaphor. Like, it makes sense. But it's like, I don't know. I think 
<laughs> I think it's like it really I was I was thinking a lot um, about what you said earlier. Like we wouldn't be focusing on these little nitpicks, which maybe they're not exclu- they're not just little nitpicks, but we wouldn't be focusing on these things if the movie was just better. And yeah. like like I get that it's a metaphor, and I think the metaphor is like it's clever enough. It's not super clever, but it's clever enough that it's like, oh yeah, okay, cute. But like it would be allowed to just be a cute little metaphor if the whole movie was not, if there was more to latch on to in the movie. Yeah, for sure. There, there wasn't any, well, actually, I don't know. I don't even know how you save that third act, dude. I mean, we talked about, it. you just skip the third act and make the second act the third act because yeah. it's just, none of it made any sense. You know, like why, why, why was there no security personnel to stop the child from, running from one end of the ship to the other. Well, they were being asked to evacuate because there was an there was a, an emergency. And the security personnel <laughs> decided they also evacuated in the emergency? Um well, they they well, I like, guess they, um I don't know, dude. It was <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you for trying. <laughs> it just it was just so weird. I don't know. Yeah. Gareth Edwards I think he has a lot of potential, just like, like, I know a lot of people say Zack Snyder could be like, like, just give him a, 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 good, a good writer, like, just, and like, he'd be good. I don't think, I don't think that's true. I think Zack Snyder I, has too much of an ego to like, I think his cinematography is like really bland at times and it gets in the way of the script. I genuinely think Gareth Edwards has so much potential, like the world buildings there, the visuals are there, the the key aspects of the story are there. You just can't connect that that script. And actually, on your uh, on your thing about Zack Snyder, I think that if you give Zack Snyder a good writer, he would not like the result would be not interesting. Like yeah. <laughs> the most interesting thing to me about Zack Snyder's movies are like he clearly has these stories that he's written and he's passionate about, and they're never like amazing. Sometimes they're decent, but they're never like fa- they're never like these fantastic, amazing pieces of anything. But he's so passionate about it that it kind of makes the movies worth watching. And like, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, Gareth Edwards has, I guess, actually, you you just said it really well. Like, I think that Gareth Edwards doesn't have. Uh, I don't think that Gareth Edwards' ego would get in the way of him having a really good script. Yeah. He just needs to let someone do more more writing. Like the, uh, or someone just to... with more experience. Like the, his co-writer did not seem like the type of person you want to be co-writing with from his, from his past experience either. Yeah, because, like, I mean, if you look at this, there's a pretty... There is, like... There are impressive creative people in this, uh, in, yeah. involved in this movie. He's got Greg Frazier. He's got Hans Zimmer doing the score. Like, holy crap. Yeah, uh, I couldn't really tell. Ken Watanabe? Yeah, I actually like, couldn't. Yeah. I, was, uh, I was surprised. Um, yeah. But, like, you know, he uh, and, and he directs it the best the best scenes in the movie and even a lot of the not the best scenes in the movie, basically everything, but the worst scenes in the movie are directed very well. Even the worst scenes in the movie are like directed fine. It's just that like he gets, he, he's got a vision. He directs it really nicely. He has like insanely good cinematography. He has Hans Zimmer who may be underutilized, but like it's still Hans Zimmer. Um, (laughs) And then like, the way that he presents the story isn't isn't bad. It's just that the story's not there. Yeah, just like he needs to polish his scripts. Like to so get someone to polish those scripts, and you might you could have like a really good director here. Like this this movie cost eighty million dollars. I can't believe that. Like like it genuinely like it does not process for me. They shot. I think it's amazing that they shot this all on location too, and like they were in they were in Southeast Asia for a lot of the shooting too, which I love as well mm-hmm. um but yeah like like this this costs less than oppenheimer you know which is like like i mean oppenheimer is a good movie but it's a very largely based dialogue movie mm-hmm. Whereas this was an insanely good looking blockbuster and, and it costs cheaper it was cheaper so um i don't know like 
I, I, I do believe he's going to get more opportunities in the future because I think he's just too talented to pass up. But yeah, just, I think, give him a good script and let him cook, you know, because there's something there. Yeah. Honestly, let him do this again. Obviously not. I don't mean that in the case of make the, in, in the way of like make the creator too or no. remake <laughs> the creator. But like he got with the creator, he got to like, pick mostly it looks like he got to pick mostly the people he wanted to work with and do Mm. something that was like a fairly original thing that he was very passionate about and like let him use his experience from this and do that again but better yeah like i compared him to neil blomkamp a lot because i think they're both very good visual directors on a small budget a relatively small budget but i think blomkamp just he's missing something that that Gareth Edwards actually has, I think, mm-hmm. you know, there's something, something there. I does Neil Blancan's movies just feel like, I mean, look, he's directing, he directed Gran Turismo now. Like, I feel like it's just like, he's just kind of directing for hire now. Whereas, uh, Gareth Edwards has potential. Um, I wouldn't mind him seeing like heading a blockbuster. Like, I, I think I'm surprised star Wars. I think if he had like, maybe with Marvel, I don't know if that's possible, but like, I think Marvel has a good framework for it. It gives them like, I don't want to say it, but like they'll give them a decent story, you know, they'll give them the, the basic yeah, story. Yeah, but I don't think they'll let him direct. Like they'll put his name in the director chair and they won't oh, actually fair. let any of his well, yeah, come through. Well, you never know. Like the Eternals, the Eternals was definitely felt like, uh, Chloe Zhao was like, she filmed it. She filmed on location. Like she wanted to, right. Mm hmm. Um, unfortunately, like she just wasn't a great blockbuster director. So, well, I mean, like I don't know. Even Eternals, like I don't think I think it's one of I think it's a very weak Chloe Zhao movie, and mm-hmm. like I don't think that's actually her fault. Like I don't think that Eternals was ever going to be, you know, as great as a movie as like something like Nomadland, but like. I also think that, like, putting Chloe Zhao with Marvel, I don't think that... I don't think that's a fully Chloe Zhao movie. That's fair. I think it's as much a Chloe Zhao movie as it was allowed to be. And, well, like, that's, whatever the that's, next thing <laughs> she makes will be not... Will, will not have that, like, qualifier. That's fair. I... And also, that's Chloe Zhao, who, can who like, can command can make can like get her way a lot in Marvel because she actually has a, an Academy Award for directing. Mm-hmm. Gareth Edwards does not have that. And what really, really makes me worry about Marvel movies is stuff like Mia DaCosta's recent interview where she said, this is a Kevin Feige movie, not really a Mia DaCosta movie. Like You said that. She said that. And like, wow, you know, really... Mia DaCosta doesn't have that many movies under her belt. So she can't get what she wants from Marvel so she ends up being just kind of a director for hire. And that's what I would be very worried about with Gareth Edwards. He only has four movies. He can't boss Marvel around. Very few people can at this point, but Gareth Edwards sure as hell can't. Well, I don't know if he needs, well, actually, no, maybe that's a good point. Cause yeah, like there are some aspects, like I don't think Marvel would let him world build like he wants potentially yeah. and stuff, which is one of his strengths too. So maybe you're right. Um. Yeah. Anyways, I'm. I'm. I'm personally. I am. I am kind of looking forward to Gareth Edwards' next movie. He has earned his interest. You know. I just. But I don't know if I see any because I, I. I'd say the same issues here are the issues I had with Godzilla and Rogue One, which is like bland characters, bad third act, but good visuals. <laughs> good visuals, and there is potential. I mean, um, like. I really like the world. So if he's allowed to do a, like, like in this movie, it's officially story by Gareth Edwards, screenplay by Gareth Edwards and Chris Weitz. If he can do another story by Gareth Edwards and then have like a better screenplay mm-hmm. team or maybe just do better with yeah. him and Chris Weitz, who knows? Then like, sure. Because I think yeah. the, the story by is very important there. I think he's got a really interesting vision that, um, you know, he can't fully deliver on. Yeah. And it's well, yeah. entirely in the screenplay. Some, some, some directors just don't, 
Um, I, I think it might be an ego thing too. Like maybe he just loves writing. Like you can't yeah. say, but like some directors, like I don't, like, I don't. Does David Fincher doesn't write his movies, right? I don't think he usually does. Like you can he be a visionary director movie. and like not write your movies. Like that's the, yeah. that's an option. <laughs> like you're allowed to do that. So, uh, but I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna diss the man for like this was obviously something he really wanted to make, and I'm happy that he got to make a movie he wanted to make. If that makes sense, and I'm not gonna tell him to stop making movies that he likes and that he wants to make. Um, I guess it just kind of depends on what his goals are. So uh, normally I would ask you at this point to put a number on that bad boy and I will do that. But at least for me, I think these are related, but not identical questions. So I'm going to put this to you first. Would you recommend this movie? Oh, I see what you're doing. Yes, I would recommend it. It's a right. it's a mid budget original blockbuster. It's sci fi, and it 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 did like it it it's very interesting to talk about. Like I mean, I had I had a lot of fun talking about it. So mm-hmm. yeah, definite recommend. But uh, but now putting a number on it. <laughs> oh god, yeah. Like I said earlier, up until the second act or third act, it's like a seven out of ten. I'd say after it's like definitely like a four out of ten. All right. Um, yeah, I I want to see more stuff like this. Uh, I don't... Obviously, there were issues that I had with it that I don't want to see more of, but, like, an original... A, a most... An original, like, mid-budget sci-fi movie that looks this good, I'd love to see more of stuff like that. So I definitely would also recommend it specifically because it currently has only made half its budget back and that's abysmal like i i want i hope that like the last thing i would want is for studios to see this movie's returns and be like gareth edwards shouldn't work for us actually like i think i think it's i think that something like this should be encouraged and like gareth edwards should work again after this please that yeah. said, I'm going to give it like a soft six, which is actually still pretty good, at least coming from me. That is pretty good. So cool. that is, that, that, that's what I got. Okay. Well, Jeff, what's the last word? New Asia. <laughs>